Good morning, church. <clears throat> if you don't know me, my name is Matt Ortiz, one of the pastors here. And uh, I would love, uh, if you're new here, I would love to meet you after the service. So please uh, feel free to introduce yourself to me. And uh, it is my hope that you do feel welcome here, like you're part of the family. Um, you know, uh, I was reminded uh, this morning that two years ago today, at right about this time, uh, Shannon went into a seizure. Uh, a blood clot had slammed into her brain. She had a seizure. Um, and uh, we didn't know uh, what was going on. Um, they, they wheeled her off into the emergency room. Uh, she was in the emergency room she, to another part of the emergency room uh, where they were doing an MRI. And it turns out that she had a stroke. And they had to do surgery uh, right away. When she was in the MRI, not knowing what was going on, I was just like standing in the hallway by myself, uh, not knowing what in the world was going on. I've never been more afraid of my life. Uh, I've never been more afraid for Shannon. Uh, this has been, the last couple of years have been uh, incredibly uh, difficult, first and foremost for her, but also something like that affects your family, and guess what? It's affected all of you as well in different ways. Um, I don't know where my family would be, what kind of shape we would be in, if it weren't for all of you who know God and know his promises and reminded all of us of his promises and his goodness Many of whom, many of whom who have been through uh, difficult situations, very similar, or maybe even worse, who still had a courage and joy and, and peace. That built up our faith. We could not do that without God putting people like you who know God because he has revealed himself in his scriptures and has revealed his promises in his scriptures, and has showed us in his scriptures time and time again that he makes good on his promises, and you were evidence of that, and that gave us hope. It, it filled us with courage and a, a fearlessness that we would not have. So that's why we go through uh, large passages of the Bible to see uh, what, what God, um, how God might, Increase our faith so that we can encourage others. And we find ourselves in Psalm 23. You know, for the past three months, we've been looking at the life of one of the mightiest uh, people, one of the most significant people in history. We're looking at King David. He was the primary prototype of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. In fact, the Messiah was called the Son of David, and we're looking at, at key events, and you can't really understand what was going in his, on in his mind and in his heart uh, when his life was in danger, when he thought his life, his family, his friends would all be wiped out. 
if we didn't have the Psalms. So that's why we refer to the Psalms so often throughout this series because we'll read about something that something horrible that happened in his life and then we read a psalm about what was going on in his heart. There's the psalm of praise and worship and who his really, real strength and, and courage is in. One of the best psalms that gives us insight into his heart and into his mind and into his life as he was going through all this is Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 is one of the best known pieces of literature in the world ever. It is revered as holy by three major, the, the three most significant uh, religions in the world. And a large portion of the world's population, whether they're religious or not, are familiar with Psalm 23. Here's the deal. I think that most people, including Christians, miss the message. I think most people think it's a psalm just for, you know, deathbeds and gravesides. But actually, it is also and especially a psalm for the living. A psalm about living with confidence, no matter what it is that life throws at you. It's a psalm about living with confidence, even when you're threatened by death. Now, when you read through this psalm and you pick up on this confidence, and we'll see that in a minute, it makes me wonder, where in the world does this kind of confidence, where in the world does this kind of fearlessness come from? I mean, is, is this even possible, or is this just wishful thinking? What I've realized is that um, most of the time we make one of two errors. And if you're anything like me, you make both of them at the same time. Some people have an idea of, of confidence that goes uh, somehow goes beyond biblical confidence. They believe that life is meant to be, you know, one miraculous success after another. Uh, but that doesn't happen, does it? To anybody. So their, their confidence goes into a fearful tailspin when their lives fall apart. Others have an idea that, that of confidence that falls way short of biblical confidence. They believe that, that the Christian life is nothing but just one grind after another, that it's just drudgery and, and it's one hard struggle after one hard loss after another. Prayer is useless. There is no lasting peace. And so they live as, as Debbie Downer orphans as opposed to sons and daughters of the king. So what is biblical confidence? And can you have it in the midst of of whatever it is that you're going through. Psalm 23, right here, gives us the answer. David makes four just bold declarations of confidence, and we're going to look at each of them. But I want to show you that the overarching logic of this psalm is, is found in, in this phrase. The phrase, the Lord is, I shall. That is absolutely jam-packed with all kinds of theological significance and implications for your life and for your soul. The whole psalm here is structured by that statement. 
first of all, what that means is that David's confidence is not based on his family background. It is not based on his education. It is not based on his talent or his uh, appearance or his performance or, you know, his position in, in life, whatever it is. David says, the Lord is. The Lord is. And what that means when he says that is that his confidence is rooted in the very existence and the very character of God Almighty. Not only that, but David's confidence is based on the relationship between God and him. That's why he says, the Lord is, I shall. Or in other words, I shall because the Lord is. It is a, uh, an unbreakable relationship of cause and effect. There are direct implications between the Lord is and I shall. There is so much hope for you and the world packed into that statement right there. And we'll get into it. The truth is, if all we had was that statement right there, we would have more than enough to face all of the hard times and opposition and struggles and, and, and that, we, that we face in life to, to stare at it in the face and say, you know what, give me your best shot. We would have more than enough if that's all we had. But Psalm 23 gives you so much more. I mean, it gives us so much more. It makes you, it makes you fearless. The rest of, of, of that psalm fills that idea out. So let's check it out. If you're taking notes and, and preparing to make sure that you're prepared for your discussion in your crowded house, uh, the first declaration is this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside Still waters. Now, when I read that right there, there is one word that comes to my mind when I read, he makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. And that one word is contentment. It's true contentment. And what's that? Well, our text gives us a clue when it says, he makes me lie down. Now, I've learned that one of the main reasons sheep won't lie down is famine, right? They won't lie down unless their hunger and their thirst is satisfied. They will restlessly search for something to satisfy them. Israel was a, a hostile environment for sheep. It was, it was very much like, like Southern California with, with no irrigation. And so the main reason for discontentment among sheep was inadequate food and water. And you know what? In a sense, we're the same way. We're not content. So we don't lie down. We not, we're not at rest. We don't have peace. We're hungry and thirsty for, for something more. We're restlessly searching for, for something to satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. And you know what? It could be, it could be anything. Even good things. But David says, he makes me lie down. He gives me rest. He gives me peace. Like no one or nothing else can. 
This is why he's content, because he says, my shepherd feeds me in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. Contentment is being confident that your shepherd will provide all that you could possibly need for whatever it is that you are facing. That is contentment. Being confident that your shepherd will provide everything that you could possibly need for whatever it is that you're facing. Contentment means that in the midst of a hostile environment, you are absolutely certain that your heart will be truly satisfied. Because the Lord is your shepherd. Okay, so let's go ahead and apply this, right? If you're a Christian, you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What that means for you, right here, right now, no matter what valley it is you're going through, whatever limitation you're living with, whatever physical problem that's wearing you down, whatever unfulfilled dreams are just kind of filling you with regret, whatever circumstances you feel are just dragging you down, the Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. That is a promise. Now, I'm not saying that your hard times won't be hard, right? You'll get hit but you won't say, I'm destroyed. You'll feel down, but you, you won't say, I'm, I'm out. You'll, you'll feel pressed, but you don't say, I'm crushed. You will be overwhelmed, but you don't say, I'm defeated. Why? Because the Lord is your shepherd, and you shall not want. Second, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. David says, I will fear no evil. You know what David does not say? David does not say, I will experience no evil. He doesn't say that. That's not promised anywhere. David doesn't say, I won't experience pain. He doesn't say, I won't experience sorrow. He doesn't say, I won't experience uh, loss. He says, in the midst of those things, I will fear no evil. Since the Lord is my shepherd, I am confident that my life will not and cannot be ultimately hurt by evil. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Okay, so what in the world is the valley of the shadow of death? In ancient Palestine, in the summer, when the streams dried up and the grass was all gone because it was dead or already grazed, a shepherd would drive his flock up to higher pastures in the mountains for fresh water and green grass. And the way to these higher pastures with fresh water and green grass was through the valleys, up narrow and winding trails. And it, some commentators say it is likely that a section of, of one of these trails was actually called the Valley of the Shadow of Death because it was especially dangerous. All of these sheep had to face multiple dangers, like ending up on the wrong path. 
the, the rainy seasons would, would wash out the trails and the sheep would run into a dead end and pile up and, 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 and feel trapped and, and panic. And then they would start pushing each other off the trail. Then there were enemies like mountain lions and, and wolves and, and elements like sudden rainstorms triggering flash floods that could just wash away the, the, the sheep. And there was always the risk of a false step. The trail was narrow and, and rocky and sheep would, would stumble and flip and, uh, or slip and maybe do flips also. Who knows? <laughs> they would flip to their death. There were so many different ways that they could die in the valley. The valley of the shadow of death stands for all the dark valleys of life. When you go through a dark valley in life, what do you fear? First of all, what is it that comes to your mind when you think about your own personal valley? What do you fear? We fear the same things. Maybe we fear the, the mistakes of the past by you or others that have put us on the wrong path. And you feel trapped. Like your life is headed toward destruction. Or, or you feel like your life will be over because of something beyond your control, like an accident or, or losing your job or the loss of, of a loved one. Or what if you blow it and you make a false step, you know, with career or marriage or finances and you fear that you're just not going to ever make it to higher pastures and you're going to lose your life in the valley and everything will be over. David tells us, if the Lord is your shepherd, you can be fearless. You can be fearless. So my question for you this morning Answer it yourself. Do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? Well, guess what? He gives us three good reasons. First of all, your shepherd, if the Lord is your shepherd, he has you on the right path. He says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And the basic meaning of the Hebrew word here is right. He, the shepherd has you on the right path. There are no washouts. There are no, no being trapped. There's no being trapped by mistakes of the past. Uh, your mistakes or anyone else's mistakes. You are not on a dead end path that leads to destruction. You know what? Your shepherd, he knows your path. He knows your path from beginning to end. And your shepherd knows his sheep. Your shepherd knows you personally. He knows exactly what it is that you need. He has you on the right path that leads to higher pastures. Secondly, your shepherd is with you. Now check this out. He says, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Now did you, did you notice the change here that happened right here with this verse? So far David says, you know, he makes me lie, lie down and, and he, you know, leads me and restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. But now he says, you are with me. All right, like up to this point, we have one sheep talking to another sheep about the shepherd, Right? Here, the sheep is talking directly to 
the shepherd. In verse 1 through 3, the shepherd is is out front and, and leading. Here, the shepherd is walking beside. Why the change? Well, in verse 1 through 3, the, the sheep is an open pasture, right? All safe and, and secure. Everything's cool. But here, right here, as you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, the shepherd walks beside you. Throughout Scripture, from cover to cover, there's this constant encouragement to you from God that says, Fear not, for I am with you. You don't have to be afraid because I am with you. The creator of the universe, the one who holds it all together, is with you. That makes us fearless. When you pass through the valley and you don't sense God's presence, has that ever happened to you? I mean, we can all be honest. I've, I've felt that. You pass through the valley doesn't feel like God is anywhere to be found. God, where are you when I need you? When you pass through the valley and you don't sense God's presence, it is only the darkness that hides it. And the truth that makes you fearless is this. The darker the valley, the closer the shepherd. That truth does not depend upon how you feel about it. Thank God. You might feel like God is not there. It doesn't matter what you feel like. God is with you. That's the promise that we have. And you know what? It is especially true on your final day. Only the Lord himself can lead you through death. All other guides will turn back. But the Lord walks by your side. So, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And then third, your shepherd is armed. He is armed. David says, your rod and staff comfort me. Today, even, shepherds from some of the Middle East uh, countries still carry both a rod and a staff. And the rod is a weapon. A club made of hard wood. David, uh, we read how David used this kind of a weapon to protect his sheep when he killed a, a, a lion. Another time when he killed a bear. And the rod reminds us that the Lord protects us from our enemies. Powers and circumstances beyond your control are not out of his control. Evil cannot ultimately harm you. That has profound implications for your life. Because so many people, even Christians, do justify horrible decisions, horrible actions, horrible words because they're afraid. I see it all the time. And guess what? The staff is an instrument of mercy. It's a long stick, often with a crook or a hook at the, at the end, and it's used to, to rescue sheep who've fallen into trouble. 
doesn't break out the club and beat the, the sheep that fell into trouble. He rescues the sheep that fell into trouble to guide the sheep on the narrow trail. And when the sheep begin to stray, they, he, he uses to draw the sheep to, to himself. It is a symbol of the Lord's compassion. It is a symbol of the Lord's mercy and care for us. Some of you right are in a dark valley right now. And you're afraid that you're going to make a mistake. You're going to make a bad decision. That you're going to do something stupid. But the truth is, you probably will. There's a really good chance that you will. Because we all, like sheep, do stupid things. I know. I do stupid things all the time. And God doesn't promise that we won't. But, but, his, his staff assures you that you won't fall off the cliff and be destroyed. He will bring you to higher pastures, and even the mistakes that you make will ultimately be used. He can redeem that for your good and his glory. So much preaching is you better not do this or you're going to mess up God's perfect will. God is sovereign. He is a redemptive God. And he loves you. That's the second declaration of confidence. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not fear. The third is, the Lord is my king, I shall triumph. In verse 5, David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Now what is this a picture of? This, this table and the oil and, a, and a, a cup of wine that's just overflowing is adding up to like this awesome meal. Not just any meal. It is a well-set table, you know, with festive anointing oil, full cup of wine. This is a celebration of, of joy. But what are they celebrating? And what does it mean in the presence of my enemies? This is a feast after a battle, a victory celebration. The, the enemies are, are present as, as defeated foes. And after winning a, a battle, traditionally, the king would lead a procession, a, a procession back to his city. And the people would line the road singing and celebrating the victory and, and waving and cheering the, the king. And behind the king would be this victorious army. And behind the army would come the spoils of victory. And behind the spoils of victory would come the prisoners of war. And the king would ascend to his throne and, and be hailed as the king. And then there would be this great feast a victory celebration. Now, in my years in, in ministry, uh, one of the greatest fears that people have time and time again is fear of failure. We live pretty comfortable lives, and so in other countries, other cultures where where things are a lot, we can't even imagine how difficult things might be. Uh, uh, here, the primary f fear is fear of failure. And, and when all is said and done, I mean, you're, you're afraid that, that that's how your life is going to be recorded. 
as a failure. Fear of failure causes some people to be driven. That, that fear drives them to be workaholics. That, that, that fear drives them to be successful at all costs, no matter who gets bulldozed in the process. Fear causes us to do some pretty crazy things. And the fear of failure can paralyze other people. They retreat, play it safe, avoid taking any, any risk. We're fearful that, that, that when your life is tallied up, it'll end up in the loser column. But listen, if the Lord is your king, you can be fearless. This is a picture of the great celebration after the last battle when our king defeats our greater enemies once and for all time, the enemies of evil and death and eternal judgment. And David says, if the Lord is your king, you shall triumph. You don't have to fear failure. But it's even more than that. The king then blesses you with incredible significance when he says, you prepare a table before me. So many people do so many horrible things to gain significance. No matter who it is that they have to bulldoze or step on or step over to get it. David says, we will sit at the table and our king will be our host. In the dark valley, we saw a change from a shepherd walking in front to a shepherd walking beside and now we're eating with the king? And the king is our host? Do, do you see the progression here? The, the, the march of confidence, the, the absolute lack of, of any fear whatsoever? First, the setting is life in a hostile environment, right? But the Christian declares, I shall not want, because the Lord is my shepherd. And then comes death's dark valley. And the Christian declares, I shall not Fear, because my shepherd is with me, and he will bring me to higher pastures. And here, the scene is after death, and the Christian declares, I shall triumph, because the Lord is my king. And he will not only bring me through death, but we will share in his victory. You don't have to let fear shape and guide your life. David now summarizes and concludes with this fourth declaration of confidence. The last one here, the Lord is my king, and I shall live with him forever. Verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what this means? When this awesome meal at the king's table is over, you don't have to go home. You know why? Because you're already home. <laughs> I love that. We live with our king forever because our king has become our closest friend. He never stops being our king. But then our king becomes our closest friend. 
and we will always and forever eat at the king's table as his sons and daughters. That right there, that theology has implications for your life today and how you live it. And how you live your life will reflect whether or not you believe this promise or not. Whether you live a, live a, a life of, of fear or you live a life of peace. If you live a life of fear, you'll know it by the way you treat other people. If you live a life of peace, you'll know it by the way you treat other people. Now, I know that some of you might have a difficult time with this message today, thinking that, you know what, Psalm 23 is just too, Psalm 23 is just too good to be true, right? How can anyone, especially David, an adulterer and a murderer, say, I know that when I die, I'm going to live with God forever because, I mean, that's just arrogance and pride to think that you're good enough to get into heaven. I could never say that. I just have to wait and find out, see if I'm good enough. Well, I, I can agree with you on the, on the first part of that. That's not what this is saying, that you're good enough to get into heaven. That's not what Psalm 23 is saying at all. It's not saying that we can have this confidence because we're good enough to get in. Psalm 23 is saying that we have this confidence because our shepherd king is good enough to get us in. That is Christianity. It's not you better shape up so you can earn your way into heaven. You know, look at the last four words of this sentence. It says this, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. Those are the most comforting words in the entire psalm. Because they tell me that my shepherd's Commitment to me doesn't depend on me, thank God. It doesn't depend on how good, a, how, how awesome of a sheep I am. It doesn't matter. How much wool I produce or how many offspring I add to the flock or whatever else it is that sheep do. It doesn't depend on me. Our shepherd is committed to his sheep, not because we're good sheep, but because we're his sheep. And since we are his sheep, he will bring us through for his name's sake. A shepherd's reputation, his good name, ultimately hinges on one thing, the well-being of his sheep. And if he leads his sheep on the right path and protects and guides them and brings them through the valley of the shadow of death and takes them to higher pasture, his good name depends on that. God will bring us through not because we are good sheep, but because we're his sheep. That was David's confidence. That is your confidence. You can start living in that confidence today. But you know what? We have even more reason to be more confident than David. Because our shepherd king, king has come to us. 
The Lord of Psalm 23 has entered human history as a man. Jesus came to us and lived among us. And he is the only one who can say without any pride or or any arrogance, can say, I am good enough to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the gospel is this, that he lived that life for you. He lived that life for all who believe in him, who trust in him. So what that means for you, whatever it is that you're going through, whatever kind of failures you find yourself uh, in, the Lord looks at you if you have trust in your shepherd king, and he is the one that that you are ultimately trusting, that he is good enough, knowing that you are not. What that means is that when the Lord looks at you, he sees you clothed in his very own perfect righteousness. And then having lived for you, he died for you. Our shepherd entered death's dark valley for you. He willingly went to the cross to die for his sheep. And our king was nailed to a tree. And he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And that is what opened a way through death's dark valley. One day he will return as the king of kings and and the lord of lords, and he will defeat his enemies of evil and suffering and death. Evil, suffering, and death will be no more, and we will sit with him at a great feast, and we will dwell in his house forever. That's the promise. And even now, right here, right now, (laughs) today, He invites you to enter into the joy of that feast. He prepares a table for you. He meets you and and feeds you with the feast that, that he has prepared with his own body and with his own blood. This is your confidence. And it can be yours. God is not a respecter of persons. It does not depend on you. It is a gift received by faith alone. So you can be fearless to the glory of God. Amen? Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't just leave us to fend for ourselves. We are so, we so easily forget that there is a way that seems right to us, but in the end it leads to destruction. You know the deep longings of our heart that we, that we want, that we were created to experience perfect uh, love and peace and, and acceptance and we think we know what we need to do to, to get that. And in your love, you, you restrain us. You put us on, on the right path. You want those things for us more than we even want them for ourselves. And yet we doubt you. We constantly look to things for our significance and for our security. And things that just let us down and rip us off. we do 
horrible things in the name of security, in the name of comfort, in the name of looking for love and acceptance. God, would you, by your mercy and grace, show us how we do that in specific ways. Bring it to our minds so that we can see by, by your light the sin in our, in our hearts. And God, help us to run to you for healing. Knowing that you and you alone can be the one that heals our hearts, that can fill our hearts with joy and fearlessness. God, I pray for those who are just going through it right now. God, I pray that you would surround them with people who know you, who have experienced your, your goodness even in, in just the dark valley and, and use, use us to encourage them and, and point them to the true source of, of confidence and perseverance. God, I pray if there's anybody here that has not put their faith and trust in you, that this morning that you would give them um, the courage to do so. Give them the faith, the fearlessness to follow you. To look to you as the one who forgives some of their sin and then by your grace establishes a relationship with you. We pray these things in your name.